my dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash customer to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash customer. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to The Gratitude Diaries, a production of iHeartRadio. Hi, I'm Janice Kaplan, and I'm so happy to be here every day with practical advice on how to make your life a little brighter. Today's tip is to think about how you'll tell the story of today a year from now. Here's why that's important. We can often recognize the good in our lives when we look back on our experiences. Our minds work really well to smooth off the rough edges as we remember the past. But you don't want to have gratitude and appreciation only in the rearview mirror. The trick is to try to smooth those edges while the experience is happening. If you have little kids, you already know what I mean. Each day can be frustrating and long, but when you look back, it all seems kind of wonderful. When you think about last Halloween, you're grateful for how adorable your daughter looked dressed up as a NASA astronaut, and you no longer care that she spilled ice cream all over her spacesuit later. Right now, after schools have been canceled for a while and many camps and other activities are closed, it's easy to get frustrated every day. So try to recognize the experiences that will make you grateful later while you're right in the midst of them. When you're reading Llama Llama Red Pajama for the 18th time, imagine yourself a year from now. At that point, you'll probably be grateful for how sweet it felt to be curled up reading with your daughter, or how exciting it was that she recognized one of the words in the book for the first time. Focus on that, rather than the sad truth that no book holds up that well on its 18th read. Behavioral economist and Nobel Prize winner Daniel Kahneman has said that it's hard to talk about what makes us happy 
because there are two different parts of ourselves to please, the experiencing self and the remembering self. The experiencing self lives in the present and takes in everything that happens in every moment of the day. That's 86,400 seconds to be exact. The remembering self is a storyteller, weaving some small portion of those experiences into memories that become who we are. You probably confront the experiencing self versus the remembering self whenever you go out to exercise, or for example, when you go on a hike. I personally like to hike, but as I'm going up the hill, I'm often slightly miserable. My feet hurt, I'm breathing too hard, and if it's a steep cliff, I might be a little scared too. If you ask me at that moment, I'm going to say, nope, not so happy. But the next day, or when I tell the story a week later, I'm exhilarated. My remembering self focuses on the gorgeous views and scenery at the top and how great I felt that I was strong enough to handle it. Knowing all that, you can try to get your remembering self activated even while the experience is happening. Focus on the happy parts of each moment and try to get some perspective on the ones that bother you. They're just not going to be important later. Professor Tom Gilovich, head of the psychology department at Cornell University, told me about one experiment where people who were going to Disneyland were asked how much they expected to like the trip. All of them were excited and talked about how great it was going to be. Then they were interviewed again when they were actually at Disneyland, and they were much less happy. They grumbled that the lines were endless, the weather was hot, and the food was expensive. That was the experiencing self, where each moment of the trip maybe wasn't as much fun as they had hoped or expected. Then, after they got back, it switched again. When they were interviewed a second time once more, they had a positive report. They talked about how the family got to be together and the rides were fun. And oh, Mickey Mouse was just so adorable with the kids. That was the remembering self. The experience hadn't changed from when they were actually there, but it got filtered differently. As Gilovich said to me, you're often grateful for how you remember an experience rather than what actually happened. Looking through some photos recently that I'd stored in cyberspace, I paused at one series from four or five years ago. Our whole family was together, and I've got to tell you, I looked pretty great. I loved the dress I was wearing, my hair looked nice, and I seemed really healthy and in good shape. Wow, I said to my husband, I looked so good back then. My husband gave me a wry smile, and he said, you did look good, but I don't remember your saying so at the time. Okay, that was a lot to process, but he was right, and it's a great lesson. The wonderful writer and director Nora Ephron won awards for her movies like When Harry Met Sally and Sleepless in Seattle, but I always remember her very funny list of 21 tips for life. One of them was that anything you think is wrong with your body at the age of 35, you will be nostalgic for at the age of 45. She also said that she regretted not having worn a bikini for the entire year that she was 26. She was being funny, but the point is real. We can be hard on ourselves in the moment. And then when we look back, we wonder why that was. Why didn't we see ourselves as positively in the moment as we do in retrospect? Trying to have the eyes you will in the future can be helpful at work, too. Probably much of what makes you frustrated in a day is small things. 
When a young lawyer friend of mine recently complained about her job and how hard she was working on a particular case, I asked her to imagine how she'd feel a few months from now when the case was finished. If we win, it could be a defining point in my career, she said. I laughed and told her she was really making it too easy for me. Focus on that defining point in your career, I said. Be grateful for the chance to build that future. The small stuff every day doesn't matter. As often as you can today, at work and at home, try to stop and get that year-from-now perspective. If the experiencing self is feeling a little ungrateful, try to let it live right beside the kinder and more appreciative remembering self. And if it's a particularly nice day, follow Nora Ephron's advice and go put on a bikini. Thanks for joining me. Please come back tomorrow for more practical ways that you can add gratitude to your life and make every day a little brighter. The Gratitude Diaries is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite shows. It's like the police knew who he was before they got here. From iHeart Podcasts. The medical school dean at USC was leading a secret double life. He's breathing right now? Yes, he's absolutely breathing. I'm a doctor, actually. A story about money, power, and corruption. When people fall in line, they fall in line. Looking back, I realized, oh, everyone knew. I'm Paul Pringle, an investigative reporter for the LA Times. Listen to Fallen Angels, a story of California corruption, on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast, and I had the opportunity to talk to one of Hollywood's major icons, Michael B. Jordan. In our conversation, Michael shares the highs, the lows, and everything in between, offering a genuine glimpse into his world. The closest to getting what you want is always the hardest. People give up right before they get what they've always wanted to get. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.